Turn to prayer. Um, I'm sure that you are aware that last weekend there was a tragic shooting in the south neighborhood of Baltimore City called Brooklyn. Um, and there has been, even whereas in the last few years there's been uh, some decline in adult murder, there's been an increase in uh, teenage shootings. Um, but not only the shootings, but also every measure of poor mental health. The, the, the Baltimore City Public Schools and many other sources give us information where there is um, an anger, there is a hopelessness that is beyond normal teenage challenges and issues. And it's also easier and more affordable to get an illegal gun in Baltimore City than it has been for decades. Um, and so there's a number of issues, not here, I want to pray, not get into all the issues, but there's two young people lost their lives um, a week ago Sunday in the early hours of the morning and uh, quite a number of teenagers were, were shot and there are family and friends that have been affected by this. Um, and it's also connected to what's happening at large with young people in Baltimore City. And, and no one knows the heart of each person better than God. And no one is more powerful to save, more powerful to serve. No one knows better the complex issues that need to be addressed, but also the heart issues. So you just join me in prayer uh, this morning as we call God into action. Um, and ask for God's help on this front. Lord, we thank you for who you are, all powerful, all knowing, perfect in every way. And Lord, our hearts break. We cry out for the lament, the sorrow, the pain of the tragedy of what's happened last weekend in Brooklyn. And God, Lord, the, the teenagers across the city that are, are in a state of, of anger or hurt or bitterness or resentment or a desire for revenge or a hopelessness or a need for self-protection. Uh, God, a, a spirit of fear, Lord, that does not come from you. Lord, we ask for a greater outpouring of your Holy Spirit on our city. Lord, we ask for those teenagers that are still uh, in, in, a, in a physical health challenge after the shooting, after being shot. Lord, we ask for miracles of healing. We've seen it before. We know that you can do it. Do a healing, a physical, uh, a physical miracle. But God, we also, also ask for a healing of hearts. That all across Baltimore City, that young people... Uh, who for many number of reasons have suffered trauma, have suffered hurt, suffered pain, who, um, for whom tragedy uh, is a normal thing. God, we ask for a healing on them. Lord, and we know that it's possible because multiple times in history, here and in other countries, you have done such a work starting in children and young people. And so, God, we ask for miracles. We ask for change. We ask for an outpouring. And, God, we ask that you would help us, every one of us and every other 
adult in Baltimore City, would you give us wisdom about how we can be involved to be a part of solutions, to be a part of help, to be a part of support, to be a listening ear, to, to when we are near young people around us, Lord, to be a part of the solution. So God, we thank you that nothing is beyond you. We ask for your help today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe it's possible. I believe it's real. Um, I believe it can happen. And I believe that God wants us to be involved with it. You know? Um, so. You have in your hands a copy of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. We've been talking for a while about God the Holy Spirit. And I want to just kind of bring us back to an essential starting point. Jesus taught that we should have a relationship with God the Holy Spirit that's transformative. It's noticeable. It's God present with us who never leaves us. So when we come together in this place, it's not so much inviting God into the place as it is us trying to open our awareness of God, the Holy Spirit, who's already present. If we're a Jesus follower, God, the Holy Spirit, who is already living in us, inseparably close to us, helping us be aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying, aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing, of, of any nudge, of any leading of the Holy Spirit, but it's supposed to be transformative. And I think, to be honest with you, as many of you know, over a year ago, when I went through significant health challenges, a dozen symptoms every day, and, and serious physical exhaustion, the one thing that was more transformative than anything else was when I would bring myself in every moment, and I'm talking about physical discomfort at the level which I couldn't just zone out and watch streaming entertainment. I struggled to have the strength to walk to the bathroom. I was so, I was in pain and I was uncomfortable and couldn't set my mind on something for long periods of time. What was so helpful for me was in the moment to set my awareness on God, to invite God into the moment as it were, that God was already there. But to set my awareness, my focus, that when I was sick, God was not sick. When I was weak, God was not weak. When I was at a loss, confused, hopeless, angry, but fill in the blank, God was not those things. It's a part of what the psalmist writes about. God is the strength of my heart. We can at times find ourselves like a glass, like this empty glass. And there's things in us that we want to get out of us. So, I know what we want to get out of is hot air. How do I get the hot air out of this glass? I got to MacGyver a suction device to create a vacuum. D.L. Moody wrote about this analogy after years of serving Jesus, a unique experience he had with the Holy Spirit. This is how I get the air out of the glass. 
Jesus talked about our relationship with the Holy Spirit like rivers of living water bubbling up. He talked about a transformative relationship with the Holy Spirit, a receiving, a, a active act, you being active to say, Lord, come, everything, fill everything. Fill me completely. And when God fills us completely, it presses out the things we want out. It's transformative. And it's in the moment. It's in the moment. I receive. The receiving. So let, let's get into some scripture and talk about things. We've been on this series, One Spirit, Many Superpowers, which is what's being talked about in 1 Corinthians. There's one spirit that we're in, in this relationship with Jesus, that gives spiritual gifts. And we've been talking about all these different spiritual gifts that are mentioned, and, and it's clearly stated that it's not an exhaustive list, that there are more gifts than this. So we see there are different kinds of gifts, all from the same spirit, different ways to serve the Lord, but the same Lord that we serve. And so there's unity in our diversity. We all have value, right? And there are different ways to serve the God that works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. Something from the spirit can be seen in each person for the common good. Jesus, again, I just referenced what we see here on the screen, talking about, I'm going to ask the Father, He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and He will come. And Jesus said in John 20, receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. And then He also talked about another moment of receiving the Holy Spirit, and He referred to the events that happened in Acts chapter 2. After He was went through His crucifixion, burial, resurrection, more than a month with them, and then he returned to the Father, and he said, wait for the Holy Spirit in another moment. Stay here in the city, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. There's an ability that you didn't have without the Holy Spirit that you gain with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a filling. And what we would say from the even just that John 20, to Acts 2 is that there can be multiple fillings. It's a call to have multiple interactions inviting the Holy Spirit. Now we've talked about these communication gifts you see in bold on the screen. Uh, speaking words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, faith, healing, miracles. Last Sunday we talked about prophecy and, and, and discernment, of discernment of what's going on with the prophecy. And today I wanna look at the ability to speak in different tongues and to interpret those tongues or languages as the word is described. So to try to simplify, listen, the Holy Spirit gives us special abilities that help us strengthen our spiritual family and participate in the cause of Christ. We've got to remember that God has a purpose in everything he does. God is a God of loving design. He gives us identity, value, and purpose. And it's shared. It's individual and it's shared. So when we look at what's written about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see languages and the interpretation of languages. Language being a way of communicating, right? I'm speaking English, right? 
Language is a system, a method, a way of communicating. There's also nonverbal communication, right? And then there's interpretation. Sometimes we need interpretation. We need somebody to explain what it was that has been communicated. So with spiritual languages, God the Holy Spirit gives some people the gift of an ability to speak new spiritual languages. And I want to unpack some scriptures, go into a little bit more detail than we have in the past to help us have an understanding of what was happening then, what God was talking about, what Paul, by God's inspiration, is saying is a gift. Okay? So Acts 8, this is helpful. When the apostles of Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed, and these new believers, uh, for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. It was a specific thing. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Continuing on to uh, Acts chapter 19. When Apollos was in Corinth, the city that we're reading here, 1 Corinthians, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's a priority question. He asked them, no, they replied, we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Apollos was not yet teaching this truth. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. That's the baptism in water as an external sign of internal repentance of sin and belief that Jesus is Savior. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Now, a couple of quick, important observations. Receiving, being open to, desiring an interaction with the Holy Spirit is clearly a priority to the followers of Jesus. And it's clearly something that's like, whoa, something happened. It's noticeable. But a difference between Acts 8 and Acts 19 is that in Acts 8, it does not say they spoke in tongues or other spiritual languages. In Acts 19, it does. So it doesn't, it's a gift that's not always given. Unless it's just left out for some reason, okay? So going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of languages and to another the ability to interpret. So languages and tongues are both faithful ways to translate the Greek word there, okay? So let's go back to Acts chapter 2. What do we see? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Wow, that's a statement. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one, sorry, typo, each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So we see from Corinthians, not all speak in different languages and not all interpret. And watch this, chapter 14, verse 2. Those who have the gift of speaking in different languages are not speaking to people, they're speaking to God. No one understands them, they're speaking secret things through the Spirit. So let me give you a quick summary of three different types of the gift of spiritual languages that you see in Scripture. So you see this on the screen. On the gift of languages, you'll see some people 
get this gift that it is an ability to speak a new human language. They didn't know Italian, <laughs> uh, Latin, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever it was. It's a language that they didn't know before. God gives them the ability to speak that language and other people understand it. I've actually seen this happen. Okay, we've had our own team gone to Romania. People who did not learn Romanian all of a sudden were given the gift to speak Romanian and understand what they were speaking. And I've met multiple people who have been given a gift of they didn't go through the process of learning. They didn't go through the process of learning. God gave them a gift, a miraculous gift, to speak a human language that they didn't know before. That's one of the gifts. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> right? Now, second category is an ability to speak a yet unlearned language to be interpreted for God's purposes. If we really look at what Paul is saying, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, there is a gift that comes where a person speaks a spiritual language that's not a human language, i.e. English, Spanish, Italian, right? It's not a human language, it's a spiritual language, it's unknown, but when they were given a gift and ability to speak it, and it is a gift that is accompanied by interpretation according to God's purpose, okay? Then what we have is a third category. A third category of what we see in Scripture is a gift of an ability to speak a spiritual language that they didn't know before, that as Paul is writing about here, is a personal prayer language. It benefits, it helps their communication with God. That's a third category of this gift of an ability to speak a spiritual language. I'm trying to just not get into the weird stuff, but focus on the plain, simple truth of what we see in Scripture and avoid extremes of thoughts on these subjects, okay? But I want you to also note on that third category, because I think it's maybe one of the ones that is not totally understood and is a gift that we can and desire, right, to be given. The early Christians held what they called praying in the Spirit, which we see in multiple places, as a high value. You see it in Ephesians, in Jude, in Romans. And that's this gift of an ability to speak a spiritual language that you didn't have before this interaction with the Holy Spirit that's not for the purpose of being interpreted in a meeting. It's a part of the relationship with God. Everybody still with me? All right. So let's look at a, a little bit more Scripture to help us kind of get a better understanding of these gifts. The one speaking in language, going back to 1 Corinthians, the ones speaking in different languages are helping only themselves. Now Paul's talking about that third category, a personal prayer language. And remember, he's writing in response to them. They've been writing to him. There's controversies within the church. And particularly what we see is that when they get together, their meetings are a hot mess. Everybody's talking over each other. So that's what he's addressing. So the person speaking differently was helping all themselves, but those who prophesy are helping the whole church because it's in their language or some benefit. It's easy to understand what is being said. I wish all of you had the gift of speaking in different kinds of languages, but more, I wish you would prophesy. Now what he's saying is, I would have hoped that everyone would have all the gifts. Remember, Moses said that about his prophetic gift. I wish everybody could prophesy. So there's just, it's not a throwaway statement. 
He's saying, I do desire that you would have this gift. But the point is that when we get together, our meetings should be mutually beneficial according to God's purpose. Those who prophesy are greater than those who can only speak in different languages. That word greater in English, not all that helpful in the NCB, because he's, he clearly states no one is more valuable than another person, but what he's talking about is using our gifts for that mutual benefit according to God's purpose. Unless someone is there who can explain what is said so the whole person can, whole church can be helped. So the interpretation is beneficial. Continuing, verse 13. The one who has the gift of speaking in a different language should pray for the gift to interpret what is spoken. If I pray in a different language, my spirit is praying, but my mind does nothing. So what should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. It's a whole person interaction. If you praise God with your spirit, those persons there without understanding cannot say amen to your prayer of thanks because they do not know what you're saying. You may be thanking God in a good way, but the other person is not helped. I thank God that I speak in different kinds of languages more than you all. This, again, this is not a throwaway statement. Paul is grateful that God has given him the ability to speak in a spiritual language beyond what he had learned with human reason. And he had learned multiple languages on his own. But in the church meetings, I would rather speak five words I understand in order to teach others than the thousands of words in different languages. He's saying, again, it, there's a benefit. We come together, our verbal communication needs to be beneficial. It needs to be beneficial according to God's purpose. So interpretation. God the Holy Spirit gives some people the gift of an ability to interpret new spiritual languages. I don't know that I have the gift, but I did have a situation where someone who was praying for me on a particular topic started to pray in English, switched over to tongues because they didn't know what to say, and I heard the interpretation of what God was saying to me about what we were praying for. Now, I've not interpreted other, but that was a moment, and it did happen. And I have seen this gift also work in other people. But it's probably, of all the spiritual gifts listed in Scripture, it's probably one in the American church that I've seen the least. So, but it, it, but it is a gift and it is important. The Spirit gives some ability, the ability to interpret these spiritual languages, right? Different kinds of tongues, different kinds of languages. Now, language barrier. Everybody just breathe, just have a lighthearted moment. So we have one meme here, a guy talking about being married to a lady whose Korean is her primary language. She's on the phone, he says, oh, sounds like she's bad. Oh no, did she just say my name? The translation is, mom, I went out to have dinner with my husband and it was really good. I'm still full. There's a language barrier there. Uh, so some of you may have had this experience. Do you know how frustrating it is to have to trans out everything in my head before I say it? Translate. When you meow at your owner for food, but instead he meows back at you with 13 grammatical errors. <laughs> Ever had a language barrier with an animal? Some of us think if the other person, if we're speaking different languages, we just need to talk faster. How fast do I need to go to break the language barrier? Give me a language barrier, I'll crush it like a cookie. 
if someone could translate that, that would be great. Listen, of all the spiritual gifts that God gives, it is one spirit that gives gifts. And they're gifts that we can desire and enjoy and activate. And what we see in some of the descriptions in Scripture is that the person maybe wasn't born with it, but there's a moment of giving and there's moments of learning and they continue. And I think when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we should carefully consider that these gifts should still be active today. Right? What does 1 Corinthians 13 talk about? Love. Love never gives up. Love believes the best. Love is faithful, patient, and kind. But as he continues in talking about this agape love, he says, love never ends. But as far as prophecies, referring to the spiritual gifts, they will come to an end. As for, for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. He's saying when Jesus returns, in the day of the Lord, when the one who is perfect brings all things to fulfillment, brings things to correction, brings things to be right, brings, initiates his kingdom where we can experience it without limitation, without interruption, that the spiritual gifts that are active now, today, and until he returns, there are some spiritual gifts that have purpose until he returns, but when he returns, some of those spiritual gifts will no longer have purpose. But from that truth, we derive that these spiritual gifts are still active and that we can desire them. So brothers and sisters, what should you do? When you meet together and one has a song, another person has a teaching, another person has a truth from God, another speaks in a different language, another interprets that language, the purpose of all these things should be to help the church grow. But when you meet together, if anyone speaks in a different language, it should be only two, not more than three, who speak. They should speak one after the other and someone should interpret. But if there's no interpreter, those who speak in a different language should be quiet in the meeting. They should speak only to themselves and to God. What is he talking about? He's saying, listen, your meetings are getting a little crazy, a little out of whack, a little distracting. And we need to take turns talking. Have you ever sat down with a group of people where everybody's talking at the same time? <laughs> kind of hard to know what's going on. And my brothers and sisters, you should truly want to prophesy. But do not stop people from using the gifts, speaking in different kinds of languages. Don't stop people from using their gifts. But hey, everybody, use your gifts in a way that's helpful. And everything be done in a right and orderly way. Now, we've multiple times in these last few weeks, we've talked about this. The same Spirit is active in all these. It refers to the Spirit's supernatural working through a diversity of gifted people to produce one cohesive relationship for the common good, right? According to God's purpose. Briefly, I want to address what he writes about in chapter 14, verses 34 through 38, where he says, women should be quiet in church meetings. Now, this is confusing, and it is often misinterpreted, misunderstood, and has been used in a way that's unhealthy. What is he saying? Because in chapter 11 and verse 5, he makes it clear that women can pray and prophesy in public. We know 
And I'll put in the notes on the podcast post several paragraphs of scripture references so that you can look at this. We know that there were women deacons, Romans 16, 1, 1 Timothy 3, etc. All throughout 1 Corinthians and in his writings to Timothy and in Ephesians, he talks about speaking gifts in the all y'all plural, speaking to both men and women. And what we just read is we know that he is responding to controversies that are happening at that place in time in Corinth, in the Corinthian church. What has he just said? He's just said, if somebody starts to prophesy, they keep going and another has a word, one of them needs to be quiet. And he's also said, if somebody is speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation, one of them needs to be quiet. That's the same thing that he's referencing when he says women should be quiet in the church. It's not a constant ban. He's using the exact same word in the exact same grammar with those other things where he was telling other people to be quiet, referring to both genders. So it's not a be quiet at all times. No, it's a situational. And in fact, his word quiet here in Corinthians and in 1 Timothy is a word that means inward calm. Inward calm, tranquility, giving calm attention, being free from anxiety or conflict. And within the context of what he writes to the Ephesians, to Timothy, and to Corinth, he is specifically saying women shouldn't teach something that is in the wrong spirit. In the same way, he says to people of both genders that they shouldn't prophesy or use tongues in the wrong spirit. Things need to be communicated in the right spirit. A spirit of loving respect, a spirit of agape. We're going to unpack this more next week, and I'm happy to email you. You'll see on the notes a lot of scripture references about this. So this statement is referencing a specific controversy, a specific thing that's happening that's not being helpful. And all of his statements there are to address that. We get more of a picture from other historical documents we have outside the Bible of what was happening in Ephesus in particular with the worship of Diana, also called Artemis, who was believed to be the God, the creator of all life. And we see reference to from Paul that there were women who were believers who were functioning in a way of complete and total autonomy of the rest of the church. So he's bringing some riverbanks to help the church grow, be more effective, be more productive. But he is absolutely not. If you study the words that he's using, the context, you, you really need to read the whole letter, sit down and read all of 1 Corinthians without stopping, to even begin to understand the context of what's being said. But again, very clearly this is not a all women shouldn't speak in public. Now you all know that we believe in women having ministry because the Bible says they should. Again, 1 Corinthians 11.5, very clearly he's stating women can pray and prophesy in public. He's, he's, it says very clearly, very clearly, and I'm happy to, to email things to you. But it's how it's done and the motive and the result. That's what's being referred to here. Okay, so I know some of you have jumped to conclusions in years past 
on what I believe on these issues, and I would welcome the opportunity for conversations to explain those things. I would not describe myself as either an egalitarian or a complementarian. Whoa, did I just open myself up for some fiery emails and conversation. I think the Bible is a little bit more central and a little bit more clear and a little bit more practical and a little less partisan. Oh, I'm so glad to see some smiles. Okay, let's close this uh, in, in three minutes. Let's close this. What do we learn from these passages of scriptures? How do you not build a big church? Talk about tongues and talk about women in the pulpit. <laughs> I'm following, let's just try to unpack what the Bible says. And are trying to be more clear on what we believe than we have in the past. What do we learn today from scripture? Well, God is alive today and at work through us. We value the power and presence of the Holy Spirit for ministry today. Amen? Amen? We also learn that Jesus taught his followers to receive a strengthening, filled to overflowing, ability-giving, life-changing relationship with God the Holy Spirit. He invited everyone, everyone who'd be a believer to have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. Some will receive the gift of spiritual languages. Some will receive the, the gift of an ability to interpret spiritual languages. It clearly says, not everyone, but some will. So what should we do? Read these chapters, pray, listen, ask questions, and share the journey. Next Sunday, what I want to do is to wrap up this series by looking specifically at chapter 13. Let's look specifically at chapter 13. And let's come ready, every other Sunday we've had a little bit of Q&A, right? Let's come ready with what you see, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teach us about how we use the spiritual gifts? That, let's do that next week. Does that sound good? All right. Allow me to close in prayer, and then you can run around and cool off. I don't think that works. All right. Thank you, God, that you've spoken to us through Scripture. You haven't left us alone to scramble around the planet trying to figure everything out. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you bring us into relationship with each other for our benefit according to your purpose. Thank you, God. You care for us so much to give us that opportunity. We thank you that in you there is peace and there is joy. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today and sitting in this hot room. We appreciate you. We love you. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.